You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Good morning, church. There we go. I did that in the first service and it was crickets. So again, good morning. I am Fredo Hernandez. I'm just a regular old Joe. I was going to say I'm just a regular old Jose, but I, you know, a dad joke wouldn't, I didn't think it was going to go across well, but anyhow, I'm just a regular old Joe that has the opportunity to be used for God's glory. And for that opportunity, I am grateful. We have been in Romans <clears throat> the past couple of weeks with a sermon series titled The Righteousness, Righteous of God. Today we'll be in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and make your way to turn to there. Uh, when I first started to read these verses in casual reading, uh, I really didn't see much, but when I started to dig into it and really study these verses, uh, my eyes were open, and I've learned some things that I didn't know before, and just like any young child that has learned something new in elementary school or in school and is eager to come home to tell their mom and dad about what they have learned. So am I with these verses with you. We will read the verses as a whole, one through six, and then we'll go back and dig into each verse. So without any more delay, let us read, starting in verse one. Do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law. And there is not, and it is not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit. To God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that you bore fruit of death. But now, by dying to once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. 
In these short six verses, Paul continues to repeat a word over and over and over again, a total of eight times. That word is law. But we need to see that it is of some importance. In verse 1, Paul makes a point. He says that, that he's speaking to people who know the law. And it made me stop and it made me ponder because, <clears throat> forgive me because I don't think this is point, Paul's point, but it made me think that that's still true today, that we still know the law. We may know bits and pieces of it. We may not know all of it. We may not know all Ten Commandments or all the written law, but we may know a couple of it. And so after he makes that clear, he jumps right into an analogy of marriage in verse 2. That a woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. This is a truth, but of course if he dies, then she is freed from that commitment. And she is able to remarry without being labeled an adulteress. Now, Paul isn't really talking about marriage here. So we, can't, we don't need to get hung up on that point. He doesn't say anything about divorce or how a man should love his wife. Uh, just like any other good teacher, he's trying to use an, an example that we are all familiar with. The point is, is that there has to be a death before there can be another union. So when I first read this, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I thought that we were the bride and that the law was the old abusive husband that finally dies, and that we are finally freed. But that is not the case. We've got to reread the end of verse 1, and it reads that the law has authority over a man as long as he lives. The law never dies. It is still active and alive, fulfilling God's plan. In order for us to be able to be joined to another, it is us that have to die. So Paul continues in verse 4, stating that we have died. He says, So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. Now, when I sit there and I read Scripture sometimes, the, one of the things that I like to try to do, I like to try to ask myself the questions of, 
who, what, when, and why, and, and along, those, along those lines. And so that's kind of what I did in verse 4. It says that you might belong to another. Well, who is that? That is to him who was raised from the dead. That is Christ. And why? Why is that? in order that we might bear fruit to God. So what does it mean to bear fruit to God? Paul tells us in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 through 25, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I always got to catch myself because I always want to say self-control because in Club 45 we use this song that gives us the fruits of the Spirit. But... uh. And he keeps on saying, and it continues to go in verses, it says, against such thing, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus has have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, these fruits of the Spirit will tie back into verse 6. We will see those, but this is how that we might bear fruit to God. <clears throat> so far, Paul is talking about the old situation. And it could seem like it's, he's talking it in, a, in grim terms, that it may seem like the law is bad, but that is not the case. The problem wasn't that it was the law that was bad, but that we are bad. Morally weak to bring forth the fruit of righteousness that the law requires. It reminds me of a story when I was younger Uh, When I was a young man, just like any other young man, I was about 10 years old, and I had this awesome bike. And just riding a bike around when you're 10 years old, it's kind of boring. So what would any other self-respecting 10-year-old do? Are we going to make a rant? That's right. And that's what I did. I made this makeshift ramp out of cinder blocks and plywood. I went one cinder block high and jumped it a few times, and it was kind of boring. It was kind of dull. So we bumped it up to two cinder blocks high. That was a little better for about five to ten minutes. And about right about the time that I got bored with it all, I says, you know what, we're going, I'm going to bump this up to another level. 
let's go up to three cinder blocks high. Did that, put the plywood on there, and you need to know that where we lived at, we lived at the bottom of a hill. So I made this ramp and went up to the top of our hill, turned around, and started down the hill pedaling as fast as any 10-year-old could. When I hit the ramp, I took some air. And man, I was super high. It was awesome. It was like that all time had just stood still. Because what my bike started to do, it started to go over in. And I'm headed straight for a tree. So I did the only thing that I could do is to push my bike down and away from me. And I hit the tree. I got up surprised to still be alive. And my parents, who had just stepped outside on the front porch, witnessed all this, were scared. And when they noticed that I had all my arms and legs and I wasn't crying, they started to scold me and told me to come inside because, and take a shower because we were late for church. So I went inside to take a shower, and I quickly realized that I could not lift my arm, and I was in extreme pain. But if you just looked at me, you couldn't tell that something was wrong with me. My parents needed to take me to the hospital, but they were reluctant to. Because looking at me, again, you couldn't tell that something was wrong with me. And who wanted to go sit in the ER for four hours? Well, to, to cut this story short, uh, they took me to the ER, and we didn't have to sit there for four hours. We only had to sit there for three. And when I finally saw the doctor, he told me that I had broken my collarbone. But you have never would have known it unless he ordered the x-ray. The x-ray showed that my collarbone was split in two. Now I've heard it said that the law of God is like an x-ray. It will reveal a problem, but it can't fix it. When I got my x-ray done, my collarbone was still broken. It didn't make me feel any better. I just sat there regretting my decision to go three cinder blocks high. I hope that you can relate to this story. I hope that I'm not the only one that has done something dumb and then sat there and regretted it later. The x-ray just showed the truth. And that is the same in God's law. In the law, it shows us that we need a Savior. 
that we cannot keep His perfect law. And Paul tells us why in verse 5. He says, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have been in a sinful world, in a sinful nature. And it says that the sinful passions aroused or awakened by the law were at work in our bodies. And we bore fruit for death. Uh, the best way for me to describe this is to tell, talk about a, a sign. It's a sign that we've probably all seen, and it says, don't touch, in very large lettering. And then underneath it, it will say, wet paint. Don't touch, wet paint. It usually takes everything that we got not to touch whatever the item is that has been painted. We know that it's wet. We just want to know how wet it is. Another example I can think of, and it usually happened every Sunday when we would go from church, we would go to dinner. And we would sit there as a family, and we would order our food, and the server would bring our food out, and she would say something every time, no matter where we went. She would say, be very careful. Do not touch your plate, because it is very hot. And what would my boys do instinctively? That's right. They would touch the plate. It's like, the, it's like they were thinking the server was lying or something. We are natural rebels. When placed under the law, people instinctively find themselves at odds with the lawgiver, and act accordingly. When we drive down the highway, we see a speed limit sign that says 50 miles an hour. When we see that sign, we don't think to ourselves, well, I'm going to go 20. No, we see that the law says that we can go up to 50 and typically, we try to get as close as we can to 50, and some of us may even go 55. We all know that the word tells us that thou shalt not steal. But as I stand here today, I can tell you, honest to God, there has been times when I was younger, especially, that there were some things that I just had to have. When given a boundary, we find ourselves pushing that boundary or crossing it all together. But 
I am thankful for the but. In verse 6, Paul tells us, But now, by dying to once what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. By dying to what once was in control or what once bound us or had us in bondage, we as believers are now released from the law and freed to serve in a new way. And in other words, the, the law was our old master. But now we are set free to serve a new master in spirit. If you notice, the S in spirit is capital. Because it is God's spirit whom we have received. His Holy Spirit. Instead of living in harmony with the law, studying it, and trying to follow every letter of it, which we are incapable of doing anyways, we allow the Spirit of God to live through us. I've heard it said that the shift from law to spiritual is a shift from legalism true spirituality. It is so unfortunate that so many believers continue to understand their Christian experience with a framework determined by law. The good book tells us that it is for, for it is not by works we have been saved, it is a gift from God. It is love, not legalism. It is about relationships, not religion. And love comes in the shape of a man dying on a cross for us. The law shows us that we are in need of a Savior. And he is Jesus. The law is still here, and it is good. It continues to do its purpose, which is to show us when we fall short. The law reminds me of the check engine light on our car. We have all seen it. And sometimes we have, this, we have despised the little indicator light. The light isn't at fault. It is good. It's just letting us know that there's something out of place. There's something wrong with our vehicle. And it won't go off until we correct the issue. There may have been a time when you have gotten out and popped open your hood and looked into the engine compartment 
and gotten overwhelmed, maybe wiggled a wire here or there in hopes to the light would turn off, only to get back into your car to see that the light is still on. Some of us have probably drove with the light on for quite some time, just ignoring it, hoping it'll fix itself. And we all know that that won't happen. We need someone to fix the issue. Well, Jesus is the master mechanic. And he knows every single make and model. Plus, the good news is, he's already paid for all the repairs. Church, in these six short verses, Paul has taught us that we used to live under the bondage of the law. But we have died to the law. But we need to understand that we did not die to the law so that we can live lawlessly, doing whatever we please. Paul makes it very clear that we died to the law so that we might be joined to Christ under his authority and therefore produce fruit for God. I hope that this word brings you some encouragement today. Would you please stand with me? We'll join ourselves in a word of prayer, and we will be dismissed. Let us bow. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just say thank you. Thank you for sending your son down on a cross to die for us, to fulfill the purpose of us, Lord. That we just thank you for, we can look towards him. That we can have a relationship with him. Lord, we pray as we come and we go throughout this week, Lord, that we pray for protection for our families that are coming and going. Lord, that we just pray that Throughout this week, Lord, that your name be lifted up. Again, we love you. We thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.